Steppers, what is up, people? This is your host, Dylan Tuttle, with the Directed Steps podcast based on Proverbs 16.9 that says, man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Would you rather be stepping in your own steps or would you rather be stepping in the Lord's steps? Buckle up, people. We got an interesting conversation ahead of us today with Mr. Wolfington. Would you like to introduce yourself today? Hi, Dylan. I'm Mark Wolfington, and I'm the university chaplain here at Aurora University and assistant professor of religion. It's great to be with you. Yes. We got connected actually through my communications professor. She was like, hey, you need a mentor for your capstone class. And she was like, Mr. Wolfington would love to be your mentor. And I was like, awesome. I'll reach out to him. I think I've met him once or twice before we shook each other's hands, but we didn't really get close in that connection. But now that I've gotten to know him and we've met up and he shared with me a little bit about his story. And I was thinking he would be a great person to talk to about calling because he's been operating in different parts of ministry and how the Lord has directed his steps throughout his journey has been probably an interesting story to tell. So you've been a pastor Mm -hmm. and then a hospital chaplain, right? Right. And then now you're the AU chaplain. So I kind of want to start out with a statistic. According to gbjournal.org, a recent research poll from Lifeway Research suggested that the average pastor's tenure in a local church is about three and a half years. The pastors that I've been in contact with, I've seen them operating in longer seasons, and I didn't know this about ministry. And maybe these pastors were called for a short season to lead. Maybe they weren't called there to begin with. Maybe they were called, but they quit because it came difficult. We don't know the heart behind the statistic of these pastors' decisions, but I do know that if we're operating in our calling, all things will happen in God's timing and not our own. And a verse that made me think about this was 2 Peter 3.8. It says, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day, which means that God's timing is not like our timing at all. It's much different. God has a calling in all of our lives, and it may not be what we expected it to be, but just being faithful to his timing and not our own will yield the best results for us in this side of eternity and the eternity to come. So Mr. Wolfington, my first question for you is to describe your great story, how you came to Jesus. Sure. It's a story I love to tell. I grew up in Palatine, Illinois, northwest suburbs of Chicago. And if you have flown in or out of O'Hare, you've probably been close to Palatine. And my parents occasionally attended church there in Palatine Road that is still operating, but it wasn't really a priority for us. And by that, I mean, we go once in a while, Christmas and Easter, a few other times. And when I got into high school, I met some other students who were a part of what we now know as Willow Creek, the kind of mega church. And what I noticed about them is there were two things that really stood out to me. They knew the Bible better than I did. And that kind of frustrated me and made me competitive. Like, I want to know more. And they talked about Jesus in a way that was different from what I was used to. They talked about him as a friend, that they had a relationship with him. And I knew that was something I didn't have. So that was kind of what sealed the deal for me. My parents, you know, were supportive, but it didn't bring a lot of changes to the house. It changed me tremendously, but not so much to to my home life. Wow. That's incredible. It's interesting to see how you get placed in a certain situation and, and the Lord brings those challenges and it builds us up to be the people that God created us to be. Related to that, I think of John 1, 12, 13, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. 
They are reborn, not with a physical birth, but resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. And that's what happened to you in that season, and it changed your life. Okay, so now you, you came to the saving faith of Jesus, and how did you feel like the Lord was directing your steps into the pastoral? When I came to Aurora University as a freshman, my plan was, you know, maybe I'll go to law school or I'll go into business. My stepfather owned a business. I thought, well, maybe I'll go into the family business because my goal at that point was to make money. And what is something I can do that would be lucrative and financially rewarding? Mm. And the Lord had other ideas for me. In between my senior year of high school and my freshman year here at AU, one of my best friends was killed in a car accident. Mm. And I struggled with that like any 17 or 18 year old would. And I found that some of my friends were sort of questioning, how could God do this? Or where's God in all of this? And I remember very specifically praying, God, someone has to tell them that you didn't do this. And the answer was, yes, someone should tell them and that someone is you. Mm -hmm. And out of that came this calling experience where I felt called into ministry. Didn't really know what that would look like mm -hmm. because again, I had sort of grown up in the church, but other than preaching on Sunday mornings, I didn't really know what our pastor did or how he spent his time. Fortunately, I had some good mentors who sensed this call in me and encouraged me. I began to study the Bible on my own. I learned how to pray, yeah. how to share my faith. And out of that time, I had some experiences where I could do ministry, helping either at church camps or churches with vacation Bible school programs. Mm -hmm. And I not only enjoyed that, people seemed to recognize, that, oh, Mark has some gifts or abilities in this yeah. area. It wasn't something that God gave you instantly. It was a development over time that the Lord grew your abilities and your, your giftings. And yes, they were given to you, but you got to experiment and say, okay, this is what God has given me to be good at in his calling of being a pastor. It makes me think about Matthew 6, 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things will be added to you. You were seeking the word. You were seeking prayer to get closer to God, seeking his face, and he revealed to you his calling. My next question is, I'm sure it would be difficult to transfer from a head pastor position to a hospital chaplain. How did the Lord direct your steps into making this transition? Sure. After uh, getting my Master's of Divinity at Southwestern Seminary, I pastored a small church in California for about seven years. And then I came back to Illinois to pastor a church in LaGrange. And I still have some affiliation with that church. So in, in a sense, I've been there for, well, it'll be 20 years this year, wow. which is crazy. Yeah. But my primary calling I see is my role here at AU. And in between there, when I first came to the church, I started talking with the membership, many of whom drove in from other areas because they'd grown up there or they had some family connections, that the local church body needed to be invested in the neighborhood and the community. And a, a dear sweet lady who was in her 90s at the time said, well, that's great, Pastor, but what are you going to do? And that was a question that I was not prepared for because, you know, I'm the pastor. I'm the, the guy asking the questions here. And I thought about it, and we lived down the street from the fire department in our town, and I went down and talked with the chief said, Chief, I think I'd like to be your chaplain. And he said, Mark, that's a great idea. We'll call you when we need you. And that's been almost 20 years ago. My phone hasn't rung mm -hmm. since then. But a few months later, my wife, who I met here at AU, was giving birth to our youngest son and was visited by a hospital chaplain. And I met some of the staff there and found out that they had a volunteer chaplain program where they would ask local ministers to come visit with patients, offer prayer. And I went into the manager of Pastoral Care's office and said, 
I have someone for you. Great, who is it? I said, I'd like to do that. And I got that job, did some additional training in clinical pastoral education. Wow. I'm eligible to be a board certified chaplain, but I didn't pursue that fully because by the time I came to AU and now got into, into this role. Yeah. I think that's so interesting in the beginning of that story with the lady who planted that scene in your mind with that question, like how God uses these ordinary people in your lives that are not maybe the people that you look up to, they don't have the highest status or whatever. And he uses those people to plant seeds in our lives to lead us to do what God is calling us to do. That provision from the Lord is incredible. Makes you think about Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And we're not depending on our own understanding of what we think is going to happen. Like in the story, the lady, I see that question, the Holy Spirit, and you said, you need to go do this. And then also think about in that Proverbs verse there, it says, seek his will in all you do. And this is something that I've learned. What What is the will of God? I believe it's, it's not as confusing as some people make it out to be. I've heard of it in the BAGS acronym. The B in BAGS is believe in Jesus Christ with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. The A in the BAGS acronym is abstain from impurities like lying or sexual immorality, things like that. The G is giving thanks to God in all that you do. And then the S is submitting your life to the Lord Jesus. And walking that out in that BAGS acronym will lead you to the calling that the Lord is putting on your life. So my fourth question is, how did the Lord call you to become chaplain at AU? Sure, this is a great story that I, I enjoy telling. I had been in hospital ministry or healthcare ministry for about 10 years, and that can be very difficult and very challenging because you are rarely called as a hospital chaplain when surgery is successful and the patient's going to make a full recovery. It's usually a lot of illness, death, tragedy, ranging from accidents to shootings to just some terrible, terrible things. I was working on call overnights, 5 p.m. to 6 a.m., and then still working during the day. And it was starting to take a toll on me mentally, spiritually, physically. And I remember one of the last patient deaths that I went to, as I was coming down the hall, I was having this conversation with myself, not how can I serve this family or how can I best bring Christ to them? It was, oh great, now I'm gonna be here a while doing paperwork. And I, I now understand that was burnout and I realized I was done. Healthcare has undergone tremendous changes over the last few years. And as it turns out, my position was eliminated, which I was not expecting. If you had asked me, I would have said, I am going to retire as a hospital chaplain and this will be great. Wow. And because I'm an alum, I had been in touch with a few people on campus here and there. And I knew that the university was looking for a full-time chaplain. And I got a call from someone who was the director of the Wackerland Center at that time. Mark, we'd like to talk to you about being our interim chaplain while we look for someone full-time. And I said, great, I'd be happy to do that. And in that first semester I was here, I fell in love with AU again, because now I was here in a different role as yeah. a student. And the university was interviewing just some brilliant people with long careers in the academic world, PhDs, great people. And just before Thanksgiving in 2015, that vice president called me to his office and said, well, I think we found our chaplain. And you know, my first thought was, well, I'll go down to my office and start packing up my stuff. And he said, no, 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 the job is yours if you want it. Like, wait, what? Did you just say that? Really? That's been almost eight years ago now. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm incredibly grateful. Okay, so obviously this is a secular university, but your influence is present on the campus. What do you feel like your calling is here at a secular university? It's a great question because the role of the chaplain and the pastor have some overlap, but there is a difference. 
The short answer is I'm here to provide for the spiritual needs of students, faculty, and staff. Mm -hmm. What that looks like is almost as different as as many students as we have. Several years ago, there was a student who happens to be from the Orthodox Jewish faith, and he wanted to find a synagogue. And I helped him connect with the local synagogue that he participated with and attended for the four years he was here. We built a relationship. Now, I also lead some worship services on campus, and he would come because he wanted to hear more because of our relationship. So mm -hmm. it's really about building relationships with mm -hmm. people. And then that allows you to step in both during some hard times as students face death of a loved one, family members, or to celebrate with them too. I, I love when our athletic director calls me and says, Mark, this team has made the postseason. We're gonna have a little send off for them. Would you come say a few words and offer a prayer for them? And then that happens a couple times a year, which is great. The thought of community is something that is essential and something that in our culture today is left out. I think the enemy wants us to be isolated and wants us to be zoomed in on technology. And when we really were created for love and community with others, I think about in, in Genesis when God said it's not good for man to be alone. We need people and having that calling as a chaplain to unite people, that's special. I think about John 17, 15 through seven, and this is when Jesus is praying, so I'll give a little context. I'm not asking you to take them out of this world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. This is kind of where the saying, we're yeah. to be in the world, but not of the world. And we're, we're not supposed to be doing what the people of the world are doing, but we're supposed to be here, leaving an impact on those people who are there so we can draw them into us, which is greater than anything this world has to offer. It isn't what we have to offer, but it's what Jesus has to offer. So my next question is, how do you know these decisions were quote unquote, God moves and not Mr. Wolfington moves throughout these stages and transitions of your calling and your ministry? That's a great question because a lot of times Christians will make plans and do what they want without considering what God wants for them or is this something that's going to honor him or, or we'll sort of put it in Christian language and, oh, I'm called to do this. Well, okay, are, are you really? And so that discernment process is difficult. I can honestly say with my role here at AU, it was not something I was seeking at that time. Now, I thought it was a great opportunity. I didn't think long-term that that would be where the Lord would have me. I'm grateful that it has been. And in probably 12 or 15 years before I came as chaplain, the position was open and I had actually applied while I was living in California and never heard anything. And then I got a letter back explaining, thank you for your application. Due to changing university needs, we are no longer searching for a university chaplain. And I still don't know exactly what happened or, or how that came about. But when I sought that position, I didn't get it. And so I remained faithful, did the, the volunteer work, like I say, got a little older and became more familiar with not only higher ed, but I have two sons who are 18 and 22. So I spend a lot of time around college age people. I look back now and I realize I wasn't ready then. When I sought it, it wasn't the Lord's timing because I wasn't ready. Mm. That thought about I'm not ready and God using his divine purpose to make that known and that and that no or not yet hurts, but it is for our good that he says that no. But if we keep pursuing that plan that we have for ourselves, it's only just gonna create friction for God's calling for our lives that is unnecessary. My next question is, I'm sure there are plenty of times you had difficulties or questioning if God was really behind the steps he was directing in your life. How did you stay faithful to those steps through the difficulty or 
uncertainty of the situation. Fortunately, I think of two things. My wife has been tremendously supportive during all of this time, and I have about a 45-minute commute back and forth campus. When I was working at the hospital, I had a two-stoplight commute. I could be there in seven minutes. And one of the things that I was somewhat hesitant about when I was offered the full-time position, I said to my wife, I don't want to take this if you don't support this, and it's going to take me away from our family. And, and I had been interim chaplain for six months at this point. She said, it's different because when you're here, you're here. Four at the hospital, you were always waiting for the pager to, well, we actually used pagers, if you can believe that, long after they were out of style. This was in the 2000s. And Kathy said, you're actually present. And many times she would make dinner and I'd sit down at the table and the pager would go off. And three hours later, I'm back home. So she was very supportive of that. And during some of those hard times, because being asked to come into your manager's office for a meeting with HR, not being told why is not a pleasant experience. And, you know, having to pack up your office and say goodbye to people you've spent hours with. Not very fun. That was a, a low point in my life. Unfortunately, God has blessed us with some good Christian friends Amen. who were there to sit there and cry with us if we needed to, and at other times to laugh with us, to pray with us. A dear Christian lady that we know owns a pizza place, and she said, Mark, to put food on the table, if you want to deliver pizzas, I have a spot for you. And so I actually delivered pizzas for a couple of weeks. Amen. I specifically told her, don't tell your regular drivers and the guys in the kitchen that I'm a pastor, just I'm Mark. And it didn't take very long. Hey, you're some kind of minister, right? Uh, yes. And so some of these guys and a few women, I became their pastor in a sense Amen. because they started sharing their burdens with me. And there was an older gentleman named Jeff. And I thought, why is Jeff delivering pizzas at an age when... He could retire playing golf somewhere. And he showed me pictures of his granddaughter. His granddaughter is in college and he wanted to raise some extra money to help her pay for school. I thought, man, that's that's sacrificial love. Yeah, 100%. It's a beautiful thing. It makes you just think of like the church and how good we have these relationships, these godly relationships. And like you said, it's sacrificial love. When somebody else is down, we pick them up. Yeah. And vice versa, you know, when you're down, they pick you up. Philippians four, six through seven that says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guide your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Because in reality, all these, these trials, the highs and the lows, God's plan for our lives, like I said, to be the person that God's creating us to be. Is there anything else you feel like we have this in this important discussion of calling? Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, two things come to mind. One is based on the verse you just quoted. Calling is such an important thing. And we also have this question or this desire about how can I support myself and my family? Calling and finances sometimes compete. Love to do that, but I can't afford it. And when I was offered the full-time position, my wife and I talked and I had a dollar amount in mind. Boy, it'd be great if this was my salary so I could replace my income from the hospital and still provide for my family. And the vice president told me the salary and I was able to text my wife later and say, well, it's not this. And she wrote back and she said, oh, okay. Disappointed a little bit. So it's actually better. The, the offer I was given was $5,000 a year more than what I was looking for. Yeah. That was a total God thing. You know, yeah. that was just one of those great moments because that has allowed me to continue to provide for yeah. my family. And the other part of this, God will provide. I, I've seen that over and over. And there's scripture that says God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. 
And when I told my parents that I felt called to ministry, my mom said, oh, I always thought you would be a professor. You, you've enjoyed college, you've done really well there. No, 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 mom, I'm gonna be a pastor. And my dad, who grew up farming in Indiana, always loved like circus tents. And when he was a kid, the revivalists and the evangelists would come to town and preach in a big tent. Mark, you should get a tent and do revivals. And I said, Dad, I don't think anyone does that anymore. <laughs> well, two things have happened since then. My mom didn't live to see this, but when the president offered me the position of assistant professor, that was a fulfillment of something my mom had dreamt about 30 years ago. My dad, fortunately, did get to see this. Here at Aurora University, our commencement is held on the quad under a big tent. And in 2016, our graduation was on a Sunday afternoon. I said, Dad, what are you doing Sunday? Well, I don't know why. I said, come on down to the university and watch commencement. And he did, but he didn't really know why. And my dad got to see me pray in a tent in a crowd of about 4,000 people. Wow. So my dad's dream for me was fulfilled, and I will never forget that. I'm grateful to the university, to President Sherrick. I never could have imagined that I would be doing something like that. It's a fulfillment of something that was prophesied on your life before you even knew what you were going to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This discussion is probably one of the most looked forward to discussions that I've had throughout the podcast that I've scheduled. And just talking to you, picking your brain, it gives me more of a hope and an insight to what the future lies for myself. And it'll give, hopefully give an insight to whoever listens to this podcast. So if I was to give a call to action after this lovely conversation about calling, is are we in prayer and asking God to reveal this calling for us? I know we may feel like we can do this on our own. God's just gonna bless me with my life. But I think I said this in a previous podcast, our relationship with God is a two-way street. If we're not in contact with God, he's probably not going to give you the direction in your life that he wants for you. And also, are we in his will? Back to the BAGS acronym. Are we walking this out? Are we living examples of Christ-like lives? Do we want it our way or are we resting in the patience for God to move us the way he's called us for? These are challenging concepts and I'm speaking to myself as well. I'm not perfect at this and I don't think anybody really is perfect at this, but we can strive towards what God has called us to. And the goal isn't to be perfect, but it's to be obedient to him and what he's called us for. The verse that I'll leave off on is Matthew 6, 34. It says, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Are we making the small habitual acts of obedience and faithfulness today that will lead to God's glorious plans for us in our calling tomorrow? That's something to think about. And I believe he will take us there. Agenda for the next podcast. Next week, we're going to have my buddy come on. I've known him since I was three years old. I'm super excited for this one. And we're going to talk about some pivotal points in our past that we walked through together. And we're going to expound upon them with biblical concepts. It's always a pleasure to come and talk about the Lord and how he's directing our steps. And it's just an honor to worship a God that loves us as much as he does. This is the Directed Steps podcast. Your host, Dylan Tuttle. Peace. The Directed Steps podcast is brought to you by Pixabay royalty-free music and Bible translations such as the New Living Translation and the New King James Version. Thank you for listening.